a Bible to church tonight? You might want to take notes tonight. I mean, I don't always say that, but, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a student of the word, have been um, a long time, and uh, I've got Bibles and Bibles and Bibles full of notes, and then I moved over everything into electronic Bibles, and I've got electronic notes everywhere on my iPad and computer and you know, you get spoiled today. I mean, you can have, I've got, I think I have close to 50 translations just what, that I carry to the pulpit with me. And uh, used to be, you know, when I'd go to the pulpit, the, the have the Amplified, my King James Amplified Living Bible. So had those three that I always used. And, um, and uh, you know, so you're carrying all these books to the pulpit with you. Now you just got one little screen that's got all that stuff in there. And I've got tons more. And and uh, so you get spoiled, you know, you get really spoiled in your study time, and, but I still like to get out my other Bibles and go through those and just see notes from back in, um, uh, back in the day. I've got, I've got one up here today that I had in 1984. It's, all, it's that's a long time ago. And uh, I'd only been married three years, so there's a lot of notes about Sharon in it. So <laughs> hold your Bible up in the air with me if you would tonight. And uh, say this out loud with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do everything. Absolutely everything. This Bible says I can do. By His Spirit, this is God speaking to me. Amen. I want you to open it up to the book of Genesis chapter 1. And uh, Genesis chapter 1. Somebody, uh, Dr. Ken Stewart, who uh, is a good friend of ours and uh, uh, has spoken in the pulpit here several times, and uh, Dr. Stewart always said, you can learn everything you want to know about God from Genesis, and uh, it's about the beginning, and so I believe that, and uh, I want to I share with you tonight, just continuing on this aspect of faith about the authority of the believer, and I'm not going to, I promise you, I'm not going to get through all this tonight, I've got a bunch more, so we'll have Ray Bench with us next week following week we'll get right back into this but um you know the the word of the lord for i believe for uh, 2017 is is that proverbs 28 1 the wicked run when no one's chasing them but the righteous are bold as a lion are bold as a lion and uh but we have to understand to be bold as a lion we have to understand some principles of authority and how authority works in our lives and how that how that you and i that God has called us to levels of authority as believers. Uh, the first book I ever read by Dr. Kenneth Hagin was uh, back in 1981, at, excuse me, 1980, and uh, my dad had it, and I still have it today. Um, they've revised it a whole bunch of times since then, but it was a first edition of the authority of the believer. And when I read that, I had never uh, understood that we as Christians could have authority. You know, I was basically brought up that you pray to God and you hope somehow that things change in your life, that we really don't have any authority to do anything. We're just kind of, you know, at a whim. And when Brother Hagin started teaching about this and I started reading it, I was like, wow, this is really incredible. And uh, it changed my life. So that's what I want to get into tonight, talking about the authority of the believer. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 will tells us about authority because it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. And you know this passage, 
But, but I, want you to, I want you to think about something with this. If God created the heavens and the earth, which we do believe that, then he is the owner of the heavens and the earth because he is the designer of it all. He is the creator of it all. In fact, in the book of Psalm chapter 24 and verse 1, it says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness and all his, its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. So everything belongs to God, everything. And that's an important thing for us to recognize because to understand what authority is, to understand what authority is or authorization, to have authorization in our lives, to be able to, to walk in authority, we have to realize that all authority is delegated authority. All authority is delegated authority. It means that it comes from somewhere else. And our understanding is, is that our, all authority has come from God. Because God is the creator. Now, are there, you know, in saying that, are there those who will try to take authority by power? Absolutely, there are. But authority, to understand the principles of authority, I'm not saying God is putting all people in authority. I'm saying that God has designed and created all things and then has placed authority and given authority to certain individuals or certain responsibilities with that authority. So, we need to understand that authority is a delegated authority. All authority comes from somewhere else. It all comes from God. All authority comes from God. In fact, if you look in the book of, uh, we won't turn there tonight, but if you look in Romans 13, and we'll get into this, it tells you there that all authority, all government is from God. Now, that doesn't mean that all politicians are from God. Okay, so let's just be clear about that. You know, I was talking this morning in my prayer time, you know, uh, with our prayer time on Facebook. And I said, you know, when we're kids, you know, we dream about someday I'm going to be a fireman or someday I'm going to be a policeman or someday I'm going to be a, you know, a sheriff or I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a doctor or I'm going to be a lawyer. Very, I, I never have met a kid said someday I'm going to be a politician. So uh, that just isn't, that's just nobody's, that's nobody's dream, I don't think, as we're growing up. You know, it's just not what we would consider a hero. Uh, but, uh, but what I want you to understand is, is that, that God has designed the system of authority and that God has delegated authority. And authority is important, and it's important to understand the, princi- the principles of authority. If God owns everything, which we believe that, God is the creator of all things, then he is the source of all authority because everything is his. Say that out loud with me. Everything is his. So all that is in this world was created by his authority. He is the ultimate supreme authority in the universe. He is because everything is his, and by his word, he creates everything that exists, okay? So we have to understand that that authority or that delegated power all comes from God. He is the central source of all authority. It all belongs to him, so therefore he is the central source of all authorization. Okay? He is the central source of all authorization. Remember this about authority. Authority always comes from someone else and always has a price to it that somebody else has paid. You know, you and I, we have authority in our lives that we can worship in the house of God. We can come to church. We can pray in our homes. We can, we can stand out in our yard if we wanted to and lift our hands to heaven and sing at the top of our voice. Isn't that right? But somebody paid a price so that we could have that authority. 
Somebody gave their life. Lots of people gave their lives through the years to break down tyranny. You know, you look at the, the thousands of uh, men and women that have laid down their lives so that we could have the freedoms that we have in our country. So all authority. You know, when the preamble, when it was when they when they started to put the Constitution together, they put right in there that all authority comes from God. It's right in it's right in those documents that uh, you know. And I'm 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 really grateful. One of the things that uh, uh, we saw. Um, that happened within our uh, state administration in Michigan is is that during the um, you know what they call the lame duck session of of our group they they go through and they vote a lot of stuff through really quick and a lot of it doesn't get into the media and stuff but one of the things that they uh, that they pushed through was is that the ancient documents would become once again a part of the education system in our social studies and uh, so that's a big deal now look we're not trying to impose our religion on everybody, but we need to understand that our founding fathers, this was their idea that all authority, you know, I'm not saying we're trying to turn everybody into, a, we are trying as the church to turn everybody into a Christian, okay? But, 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 but what I want you to understand is, is that, hey, praise God, because we have lost our way in that whole education idea of taking that out of the mix that, you know, when you talk about the Constitution, you talk about the preamble, I remember in one of my classes in school um, in history that uh, it was your punishment that you had to write the preamble uh, over and over and over if he caught you talking in class. And so guess what? You know, I, you learn the preamble. You're going to learn. But, but it's important because if you forget where you've come from, right, if you forget where you've come from, then you're going to lose your way into the future, and so it's these are this is a good thing. You, you know, so anyways, I'm, I'm really excited. But I want about that. But I want you to understand that even our forefathers, when they established this country, recognized that authority comes from God. Right. Now people vote, and we give that. But those positions of authority are things that God has established. Always has a price. Somebody sacrifices for it. Now, the owner, the owner of property, has the right to transfer authority to whoever they want. If you own it, right, you could transfer authority. Now, how many of you own your car? Now, when I say own your car, I mean you don't have a bank note on your car because if you have a bank note on it, then the bank owns it. You just get to drive it. Okay, so so if you own it or you own your house, right, You no, and no note on it, then you can transfer ownership, you could transfer authority because you're in authority and you own it, you could transfer that to whoever you want to transfer it to. And really, I, I usually, I don't know if this is the case in all situations, but I know like in the, um, I know like in the, the property, the Wheeler property that we had when we, when we gave that away, that we just had to sign one document and it was done because we own it, no debt on it. It's a finished deal. Now, you know, when you go to the bank today and you go buy something from somebody else, you know how big the stack of paper is today? I still remember back when we got the center that Herb Wybengen and I at Farmer's State Bank back in the day, sitting across from the table, they had owned, the, the, the property had gone into foreclosure and bankruptcy, and Herb said, would you like it? And I went to our board and they said, let's do it. And I, we made a deal with them, and with just one paper and a handshake across the table, that didn't happen in no more, right? 
So you, you under, but, but, but if you own it, it changes everything, right? So if God owns, which we believe God owns everything and it all belongs to him, then he can transfer authority to whoever he wants to transfer the authority to. And that's a powerful thing for us to recognize. So you and I, we have to, we have to remember here that we, we receive our authority from the owner and on the owner's terms. All right, that we receive, we receive authority from God on his terms. So he has established terms with that when he gives that to us. Now, I want you to go to Genesis, since you're in Genesis with me, go to Genesis 1, 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And, uh, and God said, this passage you're familiar with, and God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So what, what did God do right here? When he said dominion, it means to have authority over. What was God saying? He said, look, I'm going to create this man and he's going to have authority or he's going to have dominion over everything that's on this earth on my... Whose authority was it? It was God's authority. But he gave it to you and I. He gave it to mankind. So he said, look, I'm going to give this to you. Verse 27, so God, God created man in his own image. He created man in his own image. And, uh, and uh, in the image of God created he him, male and female, he created uh, created he them. And God blessed them, and God had said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. And it's really powerful as you look at this, because I want you to think about this, that when it says that God blessed them, what God did was he empowered them. A blessing is a form, is when you read the word blessing, think of the word empowerment. All right? You know, empowerment means that I release you to do this. Okay, I release you to do this. You know, sometimes, in, in, and we see this happen in churches, we see it happen in, in the business world a lot, that somebody's equipped to do something, but they're not empowered to do it. So you have no authority. You're, you still, you know, if you still got to go to somebody else to find out what's supposed to happen, you're not empowered, right? You might be equipped. You might even think that you could make the decision. But if they haven't told you you could make the decision, you can't make the decision. Right? So empowerment is when I have released, when we have been released. That's what blessing, that's what a blessing is. Because when, when it says, you know, that God blesses us, what he is saying is, I'm empowering you. I'm saying, go for it. Not only I give you the ability, now I'm telling you, not only am I giving you the authority, but I'm releasing you to use that authority. That's why at some point, and I, I'm not preaching on this, but at some point with your children, you have to bless them. You have to release them. You have to tell them, look, we've raised you, we've taught you, we've equipped you, we bless you. We release you, right? Don't come back. No, 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 that's not what I mean. Don't come back. Don't ask for money ever again, right? You know, go away. But no, but, but that's the thing. See, 
when we think about blessing sometimes, the way we look at blessing is, is in the idea of like, you know, we say like, well, bless you. God bless you, you know, and bless you. But really what it means to be blessed is, is that God has condoned you. He has admitted you. He has said, go for it. Go for it. All right? So this is really, really a powerful concept. So notice here that God said, look, here's my deal now. I create you in my image. In the image of God, create. I make these mini-me's. You know, that's what we all are, mini-me's of God. We're not God, but we, do you all know who mini-me is? Unfortunately, I do. Okay, so. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're, not, we're not God, but we are, we are images of God, okay? And uh, so God does all of this and says, I'm giving you dominion. But see, it's one thing for God to say, I'm giving this all to you. But then he finishes it with, and he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea. Once again, reestablishing this about authority over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So what God did was he authorized Adam to have dominion on the earth. Now, I personally believe that Adam could walk on water. Well, Jesus walked on water. He was fully authorized. You know, when you have full authorization, what does that mean? You can do, it, you can do what you want, right? When, if it's yours, right? If you have full authorization... You can do whatever you want. You can, and God said, have dominion. He gave Adam absolute dominion. Look at the rest of this. He said, look, I give you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth. Every tree is yours in which the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for me. Every beast of the earth, every fowl of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green, green herb and for meat, and it was so, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And then God rested, because what did he do? He blessed, he blessed Adam and said, now you are authorized to, you are authorized to conduct yourself over what I own. Now he never said, you own the earth, Adam. He actually, what he did was he gave Adam the right in a lease to the earth. He leased it. Now, I don't know if you've ever leased property before. Sharon and I, we leased a property when we were in Marietta. We owned, we leased, and we rented, all right? And all of them are different. When you lease a property, uh, the people that we leased a house from, uh, as long as we made our payments and did what we were supposed to do with the, you know, the property, they established terms. The owner of that property, according to the terms, could not come into a house they owned as long as we were conducting ourselves according to the lease. So, like, we couldn't, we would not come home one day from being at church and find the owner of the house in the house. Because, why? Because we have leased the house from them. And by the terms, now I realize there are terms of inspection and things like that that can happen with the lease, but if we lease something, that means that we are, 
we are now in authority. They are granting us authority over that property. According to the terms of the, of the lease. And so as long as we're making and doing what we're supposed to do, they're going to do what they're supposed to do. And they're not going to come into the house. And they never did. They never did come into the house. They never did an inspection. You know, never come in and said, well, we want to see how you're keeping the house clean. We want to see, you know, who's in what bedroom. They didn't come in to say, you know, are you maintenancing the fireplace? They just let us do what we wanted to do in the house. As long as we weren't doing physical, you know, there's things in leases like no physical altercation, you know, um, don't change the house, don't change rooms, don't do construction on the house. So we had a lease with them. And uh, when you lease that, unless the terms specify the owner cannot enter the house, it is yours, but it still belongs to them. In fact, you don't even pay taxes on it unless that's in the terms somehow because the terms are in the lease and they pay the taxes on it because by the standards of the property tax map, guess who owns the house? They still own the house. You don't own the house. So you can say, well, this is our house, and that's right, you're leasing that house, but it isn't your house. You've just been granted authority over that property because of the lease that you have. Does everybody understand that? Now, this is important to understand about what happens here with Adam So, uh, and, and, and what takes place. Now, I want you to turn to, with me to, real quick to Proverbs 6.16. I mean, Romans 6.16, excuse me. Romans 6.16. Feels like a tongue twister. Romans 6.16. I want you to see something here. In Romans 6.16, it says this. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Okay? So he's saying, look, whoever you yield, whoever you yield yourself, the word yield here, this is a real interesting word in the, in the Greek language because it means who you stand beside. All right? Who you stand beside. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, my parents taught me that bad company corrupts good morals. You ever heard that quote before? So, you know, it's, it's silly. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's silly for us to think that if our kid's hanging around with drug addicts, that they're not going to do drugs. That, that's, and it, I don't care. You know, I've seen, you know, parents will say, well, they told me they, weren't, they wouldn't do it. Okay, did you ever tell your parents there was stuff you wouldn't do and you was doing it? Oh, I won't have sex on that date. Yeah, you did. Right? You lied. Because, see, if you yield yourself, if you stand beside something, all right, what's going to happen to you? You're yielding yourself to it, and it will either lead to righteousness like, there's good things to yield yourself to stand beside. There are good people to stand beside. You know, that, that you ought to know every kid your kids are hanging out with, man. You ought to know them. You ought to know their, what kind of people they are. You know, the, you know, what they like to do. You know, what, how they conduct themselves. And my, you know, because of the way I was raised, my parents, my, my dad got more involved, but my mom was working all the time. We were on our own. So, you know, I'm over at a house where there's alcoholics and 
people drunk. We were in the backseat of a car one time, our babysitter. I mean, this, she, they, we ended up spending a whole day in a bar. As, uh, there was, uh, there was uh, six kids. We're all in the backseat of the car. The guy's drunk that's driving, runs a mailbox over. I mean, all this, my mom fired the babysitter when we told her about it. But see, you got to be careful what you present or you yield yourself to. Because listen to this verse now. This is really important. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves, who you stand beside as servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. So if you yield to it, you're going to obey it eventually, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now, why are we looking at this verse? Because let's talk about what happens with Adam. Adam has yielded himself to God. And he got his authority from God, right? When he stood beside something other than God, it began to skew his view of life. He changed his position or changed his idea. Look at, let's go to Genesis chapter 2 now. I want to just see that. Genesis chapter 2. You guys getting anything out of this tonight? Genesis, I know I'm working real hard here, but uh, Genesis 2, and I want you to look at verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and he put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now, keep is to protect it. So obviously, if he put him in there to keep it, that means that there must have been something God had told him, you need to keep out. You keep it out, right? He wouldn't tell him, look, I want, you to, I want you to guard this. I want you to dress it, tend it, and I want you to keep it. I want you to protect. The word keep here in the Hebrew language, it means I want you to build a hedge around it. I mean, I want you to keep stuff out that doesn't belong. Now, why didn't God say, and I'll take care of keeping it? You just take, see, this is how people, watch now. This is how we think. Well, he just gave it to us to So we could enjoy it. Yeah. He gave it to you so you can enjoy it and you can keep it. Build a hedge around it. You got to do the hedge, but you got to do both. You know, I love this about Adam because, you know, Eve isn't even around yet. So God basically gave Adam two jobs before he even gave him a wife. Which is a really great idea. Here he is, his responsibility is to keep it. God must have told him what he needed to keep out. But what we see then is is as this story progresses that Satan comes in chapter 3 and begins to deceive them. Let's read on here at verse 16. And the Lord commanded, God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. And then God saw that it wasn't good, so he made, he made a helper comparable to him. So here's what happens. God gave the man two jobs. Tend it, you know, take care of it and protect it. Take care of it and protect it. Who owns it? God owns it. God owns it. He owns it all. But he gave Adam the authority the lease, and said, okay, I own it, 
But here's what I want you to do. You are responsible. Here's how you pay for the lease. You tend it and you protect it. See, people say, well, why didn't God stop? Why didn't God stop the devil from tempting Adam? Because it isn't God's responsibility to stop the devil from tempting Adam and Eve. It was Adam's responsibility to stop. Well, if God loved us, then he would stop this, right? Well, no, come on, help me out here. Isn't that what we say? Well, you know, if God really loved us, he, would, he wouldn't let this happen. Well, here's what God said. I loved you and gave you authorization to tend and protect. Hallelujah. To tend and protect. Hallelujah. And so, you know, Adam could have got mad at God and said, well, Lord, this is your fault because you knew how trick or, how how tricky the enemy is. And, and, and God, if you really loved me, you would have stopped him. You would have come down and said, Adam, stop him. And you know what God would have said? Look, son, I already told you what you're supposed to do. I told you, don't eat from that tree. And in the day that you do, you'll surely die, which meant separation. You'll be separated from me. He said, look, don't eat from the tree. And I want you to guard this piece of ground, this this garden, and I want you to protect it. This earth, I'm giving this to you, even though I own it, and I'm putting you in complete authority. And Adam, with Eve, because he's right there with her the whole time, decides to stand beside something other. And guess what happens when you stand beside something? Or as they say in the South, If you hang around the Slippery Creek Bank long enough, you will eventually fall in. Fall in. So, you know, look, you know, God love all of us and help us all. But when our kids tell us, well, no, no, look, we're not doing anything bad. That is an indicator right there to you, okay? Warning, warning, Will Robinson. Danger, danger, okay? We have a problem here, Houston. There's, a, you know, there's, a, there's something not right about this, and we need to, you know. And it's not because we're we're not trustful. We're not, you know, it's not as parents or as God's people that we're not, you know, we're not. We can't trust. It's that we are called by God to tend and protect. Tend and protect. Tend. Your house is to be tended and protected by you. And you know the real problem with all of this, and this, and this is what this is what hap- this is what's happening in America right now, actually, uh, and it's happening in the world. That when we stand beside any other wisdom than God's wisdom, confusion sets in. Confusion sets in. Remember the Tower of Babel? I mean, here's a bunch of people that get together, and what do they decide? We're going to build a tower that goes up into heavens and we'll be like God. That's what basically what they said. We'll be just like God. All right? What happened because they did not stand beside God, but they stood beside themselves? Confusion. Confusion. So see, when we stand beside anyone other than God and what his word teaches us, it's going to, it's going to skew our identity 
And when it skews our identity, it will skew how we view life and how we view God, and it'll move us away, and it will either lead to righteousness or it will lead to sin and death. Sin and death. And confusion will set in. In Genesis 3, verses 4 through 6, Adam and Eve stood by the serpent's words more than they stood by God's word. Now, who had authority in the earth? They did. They had all the authority. But they ended up taking the lease that they had on the earth. You know, people will say, well, the devil owns the earth. The devil never owned the earth. He can't own the earth because it never was his to own. But he did rob the lease. Now, I say he robbed it. He deceived it out of the hands of Adam. That's what he did. Because he got, because here's what he did. He got Adam to stand beside him instead of standing beside what God had said. And the minute that that happened, they saw the tree and it was good to eat. And they both ate of it. And then they knew they were naked. They knew that they had, something was changed. And they went and hid themselves. Now, that authority that Adam had at that moment, he took the lease that God had given to him and all the authority he had given to him. And basically what Adam did, because he stood beside the serpent more than he stood beside what God said, he handed the lease over. And it corrupted everything. It corrupted everything. That's why the... That's why we have the messes that, you know, people say, well, it's, you know, the floods and these ice storms and, you know, all these deaths and weird things that are happening. Look, that's, that, that is because of corruption in the earth. That is because of corruption in the earth. You know, the, the, the earth was not the way that it is when it was created. But man, by trading off the lease... And by then being deceived by now who is the, what is it, the lesser? Yeah, the lesser, which is the enemy. He's handed his lease off. Corruption is set in the earth, so greed is set into men's heart, and they do wicked things in the earth, and corruption happens, and then we end up like in chapter 6, where all of a sudden the whole earth is corrupt, everybody on the earth, and there's Noah who's now having to deal with a totally unrighteous generation because everybody's standing by evil and nobody's standing by righteousness and he's proclaiming to everyone, stand by righteousness, stand by God. Let's turn to the Lord and nobody's listening to him and he's trying to convince his own family, his neighbors and everyone else and God says, that's it. So now everything changes. And so the waters that are in the heavens and the waters that are in the earth and the waters that are under the earth all break forth. The earth is completely wiped out. Adam, Noah is the only one that is saved out of all of that. But it doesn't take long before his kids start standing beside someone other or yielding themselves to something else other than God and his, and his direction. Look at, uh, go with me into... Um, Go, go with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke 4. Luke chapter 4. And I want you to see this. This is a really interesting thing that the enemy, uh, the enemy said, the devil said to Jesus. All right? Luke chapter 4. And uh, so in verse 5, 
And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. All right? So the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And then the devil said to him, now this is to Jesus Christ, Son of God, right? Our, our Savior. And the devil said to him, all this power will I give you and the glory of them, for that is delivered. Notice the word delivered here. Now in the King James, what's it say in some of your Bibles? It's handed over. Right? How about someone else? Anybody else have a different? All this authority, right? How about somebody else? Anybody else? So what did he say? He said, look, it's all been, all that authority has been handed over to me. It's all been given to me. And you know, Jesus didn't say, well, that's a lie. You know, that's a lie. That's not true. He knew it was true because man had handed over the authority. (laughs) Man had handed over the authority. And to whoever I'll give it, I can give it to whoever I want. And you know what? That's true. Now, who established authority? God did. Who owns it all? God does. And God blessed the man and said, watch over it, protect it, build it, plant it, sow it, grow it. It's all on you now. He said, I've laid the principles or the laws down. Now you just apply those principles and laws and all those things will come to pass. And you're in charge. So if Adam sat back and said, well, God, the devil's here and he's in the garden and he's telling me bad stuff. What would God's response be? I gave you authority, right? I gave you authority to put a stop to this. Now, here's the thing that, that, that I think where we get into trouble. All of this changes when the lease is taken back. It all changes. Because now what Jesus has come to do, he didn't buy into the devil's lie. That he, that's what the, he came to get was to get all the authority back, but the devil tried to trick him. That's, you know, remember how the devil works. He'll give it to you quicker, but there's always a higher price tag to it. All right? So, so he, he, he says, to he says the devil says, look, I'll give you all the, you see it all. I'll give you all the authority. You can have it all back. I'll give you the lease back. But instead, what Jesus did was he came to bear the penalty of Adam's transgression. See, in your scripture, I talked about this on Thursday in Bible study. There's the first Adam, and then, now listen to this, and there's the last Adam. No more Adam after that. I love that. He didn't say there's the first Adam and the second Adam. He didn't say there's the first Adam and there's the, the, the Adam son of, you know, the, 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 new, the, new, uh, the new Adam. That isn't what he said at all. He said, This is the last Adam. There will be no other, there is no other, Jesus became Adam on the earth. Now, the the, the really awesome thing about this with Jesus is that, okay, Jesus, 
born of a virgin, so he doesn't have the sin of Adam pass through him. Because, you know, the, the seed bears the sin. Because the seed, the seed bears the sin. So the, 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 the Adam has passed that same seed, that same transgression through from generation to generation. I don't have time to get into all this tonight, but he's passed it from generation. So that's why we have this woman named Mary who the seed is the word of God that comes into her life and populates the, the ovary in her body and what is born in her is called the word of God. All right? So here... Now, Jesus is in Mary's womb, comes into, no one, look, no one has been on earth free from sin, the sin of Adam, since Adam. Glory. Woo! That'd make a Pentecostal shout. So now we got all these thousands of years that have gone by. There hadn't been another clean, untransgressed Adam in the earth until Jesus shows up, and then Jesus, pure, no sin, without sin, he all of a sudden says in the great scheme and plan of God, I will, because even though I don't have to do it, I choose to do it, I'm going to lay down my life for the sin that Adam committed. And that sin that's passed, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put an end to it. And all who will believe on me, that'll be the end of Adam's transgression in their life. That'll be the end of it. I'm going to pay for it once and for all. So what that means is every transgression that has been committed, every transgression that is committed, every transgression that could be committed... I'm taking care of it right now. I'm laying an axe to the root of this tree. I'm going to finish it all. I'll do it through the death on the cross. And that's why the Bible says he spoiled, this is in Colossians, he spoiled principalities and powers when he made a public show of them, openly triumphing over them in the cross. So what he did, because he became the last Adam, he spoiled, he took the lease back. That's why he could say to his disciples, all authority and heaven and in earth, I've got, I just took the earth back from who took it away from you. I just took it back. And then he turns around after... I mean, look at what he said. He turns right around after he says, I got all the authority. And then he says, go now. (laughs) What's he saying? Hey, I bless you now. You've got the authority because you believe in me. Now, look, we can't do this without Jesus. Uh, There's no way now. And that's where we get into trouble because we try to do it without him. Right? I mean, look. Without him, we could do nothing. That's what he said. I mean, he said it. Without him, we could, you could do nothing. Without Jesus, we could do, but with Jesus, we can, that's right, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Greater is he that is in us, John 4, 4, 1 John 4, 4, than he that's in the world. Why? 
because Jesus pulled the lease away from him and said, hey, now it's mine, and it's mine to give to who I want to give it to, and I choose to give it to my people. Well, pastor, then why do we, why do we not walk in the authority? Why, why, do we, why do we, because you're standing beside the wrong thing. You're not listening to the right person. You don't realize that God has empowered you. Can I show you one more verse and we'll finish up? Go to, um, go to uh, Matthew with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. And see, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all this because I, I'm t- I want you to see how, look, this is, this, this, is, this is how you need to declare over your city, over your community. You want it, when all those guys are saying unemployment's on the rise and, and they're saying there's, you know, murder is winning. And look, when is it going to be that someone will stop standing beside listening to the serpent tell us, no, 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 it isn't at all like what God's saying. Let me tell you what it's really like. And we'll stand up and say, hey, you don't belong here. You don't belong in my house. You don't belong in... This head, amen, you have no authority over me what, at all, at all. Look at Matthew 16. And uh, you got to talk about authority, man. This lays it right out before us. Now, when you read this, you could get all caught up on what Jesus is talking to Peter. Remember, Peter is just speaking for the group, Okay. He's just talking for the crew. This isn't all about Peter, all right? This isn't about him becoming the head of the church, and that's not what this verse is talking about at all. These verses are talking about at all. What he's talking about is what's in verse 19. And verse 19 is where the real power, because you'll see this as you look at verse 18. And I say unto you that you're Peter, and upon this rock... The word Peter here means a little rock. You're just a little piece of everything, all right? Petros, you're just a piece of rock. But upon this rock, this rock, the next word that's used for rock is not a little piece of rock. It's about this big rock I'm giving to you. He said, look, upon this rock, I will build my church. What is the rock that he's talking about here? It's the thing that he just said in verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal it unto you that I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God, but my Father which is in heaven. What is the rock that what is the rock that he will build his church on? The revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and has all authority. Now watch this. I'll build my church and hell the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And verse 19, and I give, I give you, here it is now, I give you the keys. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And he charged, he, his disciples, they should tell no man that he was Jesus Christ. It wasn't the right time. But here's, here's, what, here's what you want to walk away with tonight. The keys 
of the kingdom are not in Jesus' hands anymore. And so here we are on the earth. Jesus, do this. Jesus, take care. And look, and we have the right to pray. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray. But there are things that are demonic, that are devil-controlled, that are happening in our world right now. And you'll, you'll know that they're devil-controlled, not because of what's happening, but because of the confusion that it's creating. That confusion that, that exists in our United States today, the confusion that's in the world today, the identity confusion that exists in our world today is, is just as astounding to me. Now, Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. I give them to you based off of that you have received the revelation that I am the Son of God. I am the Christ, the Messiah that the Father has revealed to you. Whatever you lock, whatever you bind on earth in heaven is already is bound on earth. So everything happens heavens first. So we're ne- now we're looking at earth, right? And we're looking at heaven. What does heaven say? What does earth say? What does heaven say? What does earth say? How do we know what heaven says? He told us in the book of Isaiah 55, verse, verse uh, 11, he said, So is my word that goes forth out of my mouth, it will not return to me void. It will accomplish what I desire and prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Sharon quoted that earlier. So here's what God's saying. Look. In fact, if you read this in the Amplified Version, it says it like this. Whatever you lock up on earth has already been locked up in heaven. And whatever you unlock on earth has already been unlocked in heaven. Because your authority doesn't come from you. It comes from heaven. So what do you need to lock up? And what do you need to unlock? Because the keys are in your hands. The keys are with us. are with us. Well, pastor, I mean, but it's but it's whatever God wants. Well, look, what does God want? Hadn't he told us in his word what he wants? He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. Is that God's will? Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, that we live with a thankful. You have the authority to be thankful in the midst of hell. Not for the hell, but because you're coming out of hell. Can you say amen? Hell don't win. It don't win. It can't beat you. See, I think when we, when we and I'll, I'll get into this in a couple weeks a little deeper, but there's who God sees us as, and there's who we see us as. Okay? And I'm telling you, his ways are so much higher than our ways. 
and his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. And we're down here, and we're just like trying to go, well, I just don't feel, I feel powerless. I can't do anything about it. Well, you know, it is what it is. All the little cliche Christian statements that we've learned to make in the church, and you know, well, we'll just have to see what the Lord will do. And well, here's what the Lord's saying. You know, it's like, one, this person's sick. Should I go over to them and pray for them? Uh, well, let me see. What did God say about that? Did God, are they sick? Is there anyone sick? He said, anoint them with oil. Is there anyone sick? Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I mean, it's that easy. That's why you got a guy like Terry Mize who, who could be in a circumstance where a guy's holding a gun right in front of him and says, I'm going to kill you right now. And he can respond back and say, no, you're not in the name of Jesus. And if you listen to Dr. Mize tell this story, we, you know, it, it's amazing. I mean, he wrote a book about it more than conquerors. And that the guy didn't go, oh, I don't feel it. He got angrier. He got angrier at Dr. Terry. I said, I'm going to kill you. You're going to, because he's intimidating coming at him and he said in the name of Jesus you are not going to kill me today I'm going to live and not die declare you know and I mean he begins to quote scripture this guy this guy gets ticked and the guy doesn't pull the trigger gets him in the car I mean they makes him drive him somewhere then then he fires off the gun and the bullets just why does that happen you say well I I just don't know pastor I mean Look, Terry didn't get up that day and say, I think I'll just go pick up a robber and uh, let, him, let him try. To, I think I'll just have somebody try to shoot me today and just so I can show how much authority I've got. See, that's, that's tempting God. Brother Copeland told this story years ago. This, this, this woman was in a bathtub, this true story. She's in the bathtub and she hears some kind of noise going on in the other part of the house. And she realizes somebody's in the house and she yells out, who's out there? And nobody responds. And then all of a sudden, this guy bursts through the door. He's going to rape her in the bathroom, in the, in the tub. And he busts through that door. And I mean, he's so full of the devil. And she looked at him and she said, in the, she just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are not going to lay a hand on me. The power of God is on me. The authority of the... And I mean, she began to quote scripture to this guy and his eyes got big white and he looked at her and then he turned around and he ran out of the house. See, it's when these things happen that we realize we have the authority. When I get on an airplane, I'm taking authority on this airplane. I can't take authority over human spirits, but I can take authority over demon spirits, spirits of alcoholism. In Jesus' name, the traffic control people, the airline stewards, the the flight attendants, the pilot of this plane, the co-pilot, everybody that's on this plane, if they got any alcohol in their system, I arrest and take authority over that in Jesus' name, and they're sobering up right now, this very moment, or they're realizing how inebriated they are, and they're getting off the plane. In Jesus' name! That's a key of the kingdom. That's a key of the kingdom. That's the authority God's given to us. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's why His name is the name, and I'll stop, above all names.
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, things in heaven, things in earth, and things under earth. And I'm going to tell you right now, the word heaven there is not talking about cielo where it's talking about up into the heavens where God is. It's talking about the heavens above us. And what does Jesus tell us about? What does the scripture tell us about who the devil is, where his authority is? He's the prince of the power of the air, the spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. That's not up in the heavens where God is. That's in this heavenly realm that you and I have above us. And what he's saying is, is that, look, that name can make every other name in heaven above us on earth where we're standing and below this earth has to bow its knee and succumb and give in and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand tonight. Thank you, Father. Stand up with me if you would. The wicked flee when nobody's even chasing them. But the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion. And they may not always feel like a lion, but that don't mean you're not not a lion because of what God. Adam might have got up that day and not felt like he could have taken a thought. I mean, he could have stopped it all. said, serpent, you get out of this garden, bringing those stinking lies around here. We are not standing by that kind of nonsense. No, no, no. And that's the exact same thing you got to do in your head, because that's your garden. Your heart is your garden. And if you'll guard your heart with all diligence, the Bible says, out of it will flow the issues. This is out of Proverbs 4. Out of your heart will flow the issues of life, but you've got to guard it. So you don't have a fit. You might have a house and things like that. But here's the thing that the biggest garden you're taking care of today is the garden of your heart, friend. And that you're only standing beside what God has said and not standing, letting all these other influences. You know, I don't care if it's, it's CNN, Fox News, ABC, NBC, CBS, all that stuff that it's influencing and influencing our hearts. And, and creating confusion in our life, we need to turn to the B-I-B-L-E, the Word of God that created everything that is seen. The Bible tells us that, that everything that's here was created through the words that were spoken by the one who was in authority and realize that we have authority in this earth to lock and unlock. I take authority over the deception that tries to get on my kids. Because it's already been decided in heaven that they should not have that deception in their life. I can't do it on my own, but I can do it with him. Amen. Amen. I take authority over poverty in my life. It has no power and no authority over my life. Lack has no place in my life because it's already been determined in heaven. It's already been unlocked. I've already been set free from lack. I'm not taking no sickness and disease friendly. Because it's already been determined that he himself bore my sickness and carried my disease. It's already been locked. I've already been set free from that in heaven. I just got to declare it here in this earth. I want you to close your eyes with me right now. I want you to think about tonight. I want you to think about areas of your life right now where maybe you're standing beside, you're standing, you're yielding to the wrong thing. You're yielding to the wrong thing. Over your health, finances, family, marriage, mind is trying to influence that garden of your heart 
God's given you authority to tend it and keep it. It's time for you to build that hedge back up, friend. And you build it with the word. That's where that authority comes from. Now, Father, as you reveal by your Holy Spirit to each person here tonight, Lord, areas where we have let the hedge down. I'm reminded, Lord, how it says in Ecclesiastes that when the hedge is broken, the serpent will bite. When the hedge is broken, the serpent will bite. Lord, so tonight we make the hedge with your word. Hallelujah. We divorce-proof our marriages. Lord, We insulate our health because you have already blessed our finances, Father God, because we have honored your word. You said you've poured out an empowerment. Glory to God. You have poured out an empowerment, a blessing, an empowerment that there's not room enough to receive. I thank you, Father God, that that's causing increase in people's lives because we're refusing lack and we're receiving what's unlocked to us. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. Come on now, lift your hands to heaven feel that in my spirit. God's doing something in your heart right now. That garden, see something's happening in there. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Build the hedge, build the hedge, build the hedge, build it with the word, build it with the authority that's yours, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, before you go tonight, I want you to tell somebody next to you one thing you learned here tonight. Just tell them, go ahead, find somebody, just tell them one thing, one thing you learned.